Welcome to America This Week. I'm Matt Taibbi. And I'm Walter Kern. Walter, I'm in London. I did an event last night with um, Michael Schellenberger and uh, Russell Brand on stage that was cool um like a little bit high school awkward but 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 very cool a lot of people there um stella assange ended up on stage at one point uh, there were some other very interesting people in the crowd uh, a lot of people from the sort of, i guess you would call it the international free speech movement and heard a lot of horror stories uh suggesting that this thing that we've been whining about in the united states is everywhere and has dimensions to it that freaked even me out to hear so that that was very interesting so that but that's why i'm not in my usual uh decor today uh i'm in a hotel room in london well what are the what are these freaky dimensions i want to know you know the stories that have been suppressed in italy uh you know there, there was that i talked to a, a reporter today who had a a pretty big story about emails from the government um, involving their attitude toward COVID uh, when it came out and they published them and it was not picked up by anybody. It was the same kind of omerta that we went, you know, that we went through with the Twitter files where <laughs> there was just total unanimity that, um, you know, that this, these things weren't going to be covered. Uh, but also just things that they're in, in Germany, they're, they're having these things that, that are basically um, reporting hubs uh, where you can turn people in. Uh, technically, it's for violations of anti-feminism. Um, but you can just sort of call up your local police officer and have them um, and rat somebody out for having said something. Uh, and... Uh, you know, that, that will go on your record here in England. They have something they call the, uh, non-criminal, uh, thought offense, I think is what, it, what they call it. And you can be visited by a police officer who will check your thinking, um, on this and that issue. Uh, so there's all kinds of stuff. I'm going to, I'll write it up. I'm going to put it all together, but it, it was, it was pretty weird. They actually but, call them thought offenses. The people who brought us Orwell yeah, are, are yeah, bringing- exactly. Huh. Um, these disinformation hubs, uh, are, they're sort of like uh, poison hotlines or something. I, you call in, you what, leave a message or you speak to a, an agent or a counselor or whatever. You, you... I, I didn't get that far. It was in a group meeting, um, but this was the German delegation basically was, was talking about um, the stuff that they've been going through and they, they have, it sounds like some of the more aggressive, uh, programs out there. Um, right. but it, it's just amazing. I mean, just, it's, it's this general attitude of, you know, we, we have to keep you safe. Um, yeah, the, somebody told the story about, uh, somebody was asked the question on, on TV. I think it was in England, some politician, um, about the decision to ban Donald Trump from Twitter and whether or not he should be allowed back on. And when they got to this person in the panel and the question was, should Donald Trump be allowed on, on, on Twitter? Um, the answer was, we want the safest internet in the world. Like, <laughs> this is, they don't even bother with any of the specifics of it. It's just that this has become this ingrained thing everywhere that safety equals we must have 
control over everything that people say and it's just it's just uh it's crazy and then but it was very heartening to see that there were there were a lot of people out there who were kind of of similar mind about all this they're, they're, they don't love it so you say it was well attended was it well attended in the vein of a rock concert as the new disinformation tour just drawing sort of popular uh excitement or were these all expert types i mean No, it was it wasn't a, like a Queen show. Um, well, I mean, but, you it, know, I, I would say it was. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was a, a a small good band. I would say like that. Right. It, it was it was that kind of reception. Right. I mean, it did um, have Russell Brand, so yeah, we have. It was to... like uh, ba- bad brains. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you, so you're saying you're at the um, Hamburg level of Beatlemania where they're just getting started but this thing could go to chase right. it could go right. to chase stadium eventually okay um well exactly I, that... exactly i'll have to start wearing the uh, the philadelphia eagles jersey like uh, jersey like mick jagger and do veteran stadium although there's no veteran stadium anymore it, it, are we going to be able to see this anywhere matt uh this event is it on online We'll we'll put probably transcripts of it uh, up. Uh, you know, I have some. Uh, we had some prepared remarks, uh, right. so I'm going to publish those. But um, it was fun. And then tomorrow, uh, I'm going to do a. Um, they're they're unveiling a statue to Assange and Snowden here, and Stella is going to be there. And it's one of those things where you have to stand up in in the park and uh, in London. And uh, so I'm going to give a speech for um, for Assange tomorrow. Uh, and I'll I'll probably post that that video. Is this statue going to be rendered in permanent materials, marble or something like that, or is it a, a paper mache statue that can be easily taken down uh, when somebody calls the disinformation? I don't hub? know. I, I mean, I I, I I I only got a chance to talk to them briefly, and they they told me to show up tomorrow, so I'll, I'll show up and and uh, see what happens. But. Um, hmm. You know, she was she, she was up there. She was not in good spirits. I would say she 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 was depressed about the recent decision. But um, yeah, uh, but there were a lot of people who were who were there supporting. So, um, so that was all good. But um, a lot of crazy stuff happened in um, in America this week, uh, which I guess is the name of our show, isn't it? I guess we should start with COVID. Should we start with COVID because there was a lot of COVID stuff this week. Um, all all rivers lead to the ocean. So let's start with COVID. Yeah. So so where do we go? Where, where are we? Well, I think the the one place to start is you know this at this time last week, um, Michael and I had uh, had published jointly a story basically naming uh, the three scientists who um, from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Uh, who, you know, are reported to have been uh, the first patients. People were using terms like patient zero uh, in the government to describe uh, them, and particularly this one scientist, Ben, who, uh, who oversaw gain-of-function research at the, at the WIV. We published that story last week. We were a little nervous that it was going to die on the vine and nobody would, would back it up. Uh, but the Wall Street Journal um, did their own story, sort of, quote-unquote, confirming it. 
mm-hmm. this comes with a bit of an asterisk because the one of the people on the on the byline is Michael Gordon, who, if you remember that name, uh, he was the the co-author of a lot of the Judith Miller uh, WMD stories. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that th- there is that. But look, here's the thing with the with the the lab leak uh, origin stories. This whole tale about the WIV scientists getting sick, it's not new. It's been, it was first published two years ago by the Wall Street Journal and then by NBC. They picked it up. Uh, but what is, what's new now is that people are talking about the names. Obviously, this story is out there enough that um, a lot of people have this information and naturally, you start to wonder, well, why would that be? Why, why, why would it suddenly be, um, you know, within reach of, of lots of different journalists and even independent journalists uh, to get this information? Some people are suspicious of that. They think it's what you know, what you would call a limited hangout, right? Like it's mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it's meant to distract the public. I I think actually. This is just the first step in, in a gradual retreat, um, you know, from the very aggressive campaign in the other direction that, you know, they just were not able to, to sustain. There's just too, too much information going in the other direction that they're going that they can't explain away. Um, one thing I do regret a little bit is the use of the term patient zero. It, mm-hmm. it, it's true that some people, some of the sources we talked to use that term, but I think we might find out that there were earlier cases. Um, in fact, I think that's probable uh, that, that there were incidents in, in August and September as well as November. Earlier cases around the lab or elsewhere? Yeah, around the lab. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, around the lab. I think we're going to find that there were technicians at the lab who got sick in, in September. Um, right. And that this, right. this prompted things like the administrative changes, the change in the ventilation system, that kind of stuff. Um, but it, it it is a little bit heartening that uh, that the tide, I guess, is a little bit turned. Is it? Is it turning on this? I can't really tell. Well, okay. First, let's note the uh, uh, sort of structural similarity between the alleged leak of the virus from the lab and now the leak of information from the lab. Um, it, it, they they seem to be following similar patterns, and uh, I don't know that we can. As we can't be certain that the first story is true, I don't know that we can be certain that this one is. Um, these are two sets of leaks. And limited hangouts and, and information control are a sophisticated uh, strategy these days. Surrounding one of the greatest uh, events of contemporary history, this worldwide pandemic that may not have been innocent at all, but the result of a bioweapon leaked or perhaps worse. Can't, can't be certain. So, so I, I apply maximum skepticism to it all, as I have since the beginning. Um, there's a strange uh, sensation for people like me who have been uh, dubious since the start, because as you say, we're, lear- we're now learning things in a sort of shocked manner that weren't all that hard to find out originally, except maybe, as you say, in their specifics. Um, uh, the motives for untruth in around COVID are probably, and the incentives for untruth, 
as great as they have ever been in human history. Um, uh, $100 billion products, international uh, relations, uh, domestic politics, we're all af affected here, and everyone has something to hide. Who has something to gain by disclosure? I'm not sure. I mean, independent journalists, obviously, maybe even journalism in general might be redeemed by truth about COVID. Uh, but I'm still wary. It's funny. I, I was wary by the kind of reporting that went on in the first place. This is you know, from bats. This is from this wet market. Uh, we mustn't question that. And I'm wary about this now because I don't see at what point things really changed. In, uh, not now that the vaccine is out there, now that this product has been sold worldwide, uh, and and you know now that that 2020 election is over, uh, and and mail-in balloting is established, and now that uh, you know we seem to be on uh, on to other uh, international conflict agendas. Why is it that this is coming out now when all the things that it might have affected have already happened? It is weird. I, I think it's really notable that um, a lot of this investigation in this direction began with a really small uh, outfit called the U.S. Right to Know, which is not right wing. It's kind of a lefty outfit that I think, if I'm not mistaken, is funded by some people in the health food industry. I'm not, I can't remember exactly how it works, but, um, but they're a, a small independent investigative group that issued a whole bunch of FOIA requests about um, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci and gain of function research and a bunch of universities. And this, you know, good old fashioned kind of shoe leather reporting it's still basically the, the the key information that gives us some kind of a basis to try to understand what might have happened, right? What like the a plausible explanation for what happened? Because the, the really the two explanations are it happened naturally. Somehow this virus came from a bat cave a thousand miles away and got transferred through an animal somehow. Um, and then the other one is they were working on what seems like it might have been an aerosolized vaccine attempt. So it was easily transmissible and more or less asymptomatic. There was research, you know, we had, because of these FOIA requests, we see that they were working on or that there were proposals about that kind of thing. Um, that kind of research is directly connected to this particular institution, the, uh, the Wuhan Institute. So there's a lot of circumstantial evidence pointing to the idea that they were working on something that they thought was going to be helpful to humanity, you know, like an aerosolized vaccine, maybe for troops, maybe not for all people. Uh, okay, Matt, let, let me tell you something. Um, this is, let, let's mm -hmm. put this in the realm of rumor, but the source for it is quite high in the uh, biotech industry. I heard that two years ago. The, the scenario that I heard two years ago, and it's for what it's worth, is that the COVID, vac the, the, the COVID pandemic was stirred by a vaccine, an aerosolized vaccine, to a possible American bioweapon. Um, in other words, this 
bug that got out was was an extremely contagious, uh, but not particularly uh, virulent or deadly um, counter to a more deadly. That that was the rumor I heard early, um, mm-hmm. and 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 as yet doesn't seem to have been dispelled by any reporting that's come since. Uh, it it has its virtues as a theory, and it has its. Uh, it has its weaknesses, but in general, what seems to be um, valid to say, given what we are learning, is that all of this happened in the context of biowar, whether defensive biowar or or offensive. Um, and you know, we know from we know from past weapons arms races that those things are mutually dependent. You know, you get. You get missiles, you get Star Wars, you get uh, uh, this kind of nuke, you get that kind of nuke. Um, and it seems that the world is in the the grips of some kind of bio arms race, uh, or it was. Maybe it's been halted, uh, I don't know. Uh, and in that realm, somehow comes, from that realm, somehow comes COVID. And and one of the reasons that I am uh, not optimistic about getting the truth is that when things are in the realm of security and defense and weaponry and so on, you almost never get the truth. Uh, there are just too many incentives to keep the thing under various layers of true disinformation and, and, and security and so on. Um, so... I wonder. I, I wonder how far the plucky investigators are going to get on this. Um, and I do actually also note that there was heavy censorship of all of this, all of this talk early. I mean, in ways, COVID was a platform for the real escalation of the censorship platforms. Are we seeing similar censorship of these theories now? Doesn't seem so, and I wonder why not. Hmm. No, it's 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 abundantly clear that there are lots of people in the intelligence community who want this to come out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, was that true two years ago when it first came out in a limited way to a couple of reporters, one of them being Ken Delanian, who, you know, um, that's another name like Michael Gordon, who that is. Uh, sort of well-known in the journalism community for, let's just say, having a good relationship with the intelligence community. Um, But we're starting to hear lots of stories about uh, intelligence agencies that um, were steered away from looking at the lab leak hypothesis that It may not be a coincidence that the Department of Energy and the FBI, which are the only two agencies to not use NIH researchers, were the ones that uh, came to the conclusion the earliest that um, the most likely origin of this was a laboratory. Um, So, I mean, all this, I, I think it coming out, it fits to me with, you know, the the general idea that um, there are a lot of people in these institutions that were mad about what happened originally. It just became too hard to suppress after a while. 
And then mm. there's just a lot of stuff that, that a lot of factual stuff that just seems to go with it. You know, the, 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 the thing that your source told you there about the, um, you know, the aerosolized vaccine. Well, there's a program called diffuse, uh, that the university of North Carolina, um, applied to DARPA for a grant to work on and they outlined basically exactly what that that person was talking about um all the way down to the exact molecular structure of what it would what it would be um uh, even they even talked about um how they would uh, design it in a way that it would make it difficult to de- to de- tell that it was bioengineered um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I like stories where, where the Occam's razor version of something fits. You know, this is, this is greed. This is somebody's, we know they were doing gain of function research, which is, I think is crazy, but we know they were doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it Barack Obama banned it, but, you know, the, it looks like they were looking for ways to continue doing it elsewhere. Um, it, and and it's like they say in uh, in all the president's men, you know, these aren't very bright guys, and things just got out of hand. Um, I, I always sort of default to that explanation, and so so that part of it is uh, is understandable. What is crazy to me to consider is that this would happen, and they would spend years pushing everybody, not only not only pushing people away from the truth. But engaging in this unbelievably aggressive campaign um, to to believe a lie and and to hate people who um, who had some kind of alternative question about it, you know, I mean, I, the, that that was what distinguished the last couple of years, and and it's it's the backdrop for something other another funny thing that happened this week, which is this debate that's not going to happen apparently between Joe Rogan. Uh, and this doctor named Peter Hotez, but well, between RFK, um, RFK Jr. and and Hotez, right? Yes, the RFK idea was Jr. and Hotez, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the the idea was broached uh, on Rogan, and and Rogan put up the uh, the purse for the hypothetical uh, cage match between the two of them. It went from a hundred thousand dollars to I don't know where it ended, but a lot more than that. All to go, yeah, all to go to charity. But a new principle has been established by Hotez in the name of the science, which is that debate is no longer a useful tool in arriving at the truth when the science is concerned. Um, Because once it's been settled and once uh, you've gotten a sort of working consensus on something, uh, it's no longer helpful to uh, dispute the facts. it was also said as a sort of principle going forward that one doesn't debate conspiracy theorists. I would think those would be the people you'd want to debate. Uh, they would be the easiest right? to slay. You know, they would be the easiest to slay. Their their unfalsifiable reasoning could be exposed. Uh, you, you might not win with the with the freaks, but you could certainly win with the general public. I'd think against a conspiracy theorist. Um, with all the facts and, and, and the ironclad arguments that have gone into your scientific position. But 
As science turns to Christian science, it no longer wants to brook any opposition, any uh, need to uh, justify itself in the eyes of the public. And this Hotez, who's a pretty risible character, I've got to say, I mean, he looks He's like... hilariously risible, yeah. He looks like he should be in a barbershop quartet for, you know, <laughs> uh, aged islands. Uh, and, 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 and the principles of non-debate that he espouses are, are really interesting. Um, doesn't seem that his concern is that you might lose. It's that you raise your opponent by merely being in the same room with them. You elevate your opponent. As though Hotez occupies some prestigious um, perch in, in the public mind that he could only, you know, come down from. Wherein in fa- whereas, in fact, if he were to best RFK Jr. in debate, I, I'd think he would, you know, go to the stars uh, because he, he really has nowhere to go but up. Healthier conversations, qu- healthier conversations seem to be non-conversations, what we used to call uh, lectures, uh, because uh, conversation has that con word in it, which means, you know, couple of things coming together and they don't seem to want that at all yes this was fascinating to watch the response that you're talking about so there were there was a spate of these news stories here's a typical one from from vox uh joe rogan wants a debate on vaccine science don't give it to him they put debate in quotes um and then the the subhead is how to have better conversations about contentious scientific subjects this Vox piece quotes um, a social scientist at Johns Hopkins uh, named Rupali Limaye, uh, saying basically that Hotez uh, gave the made the right choice because um, if you do do the debate, uh, you're quote giving individuals a platform to really promote something that goes against scientific consensus. Uh, so again. It should be easy to knock them down if you if you've got scientific consensus behind you and you're the scientist and you're the expert and and they're not. Um, but this new idea is let's not have the debate because otherwise it ennobles and um, and validates uh, the legitimacy of the question the questions that come from you know uh, the, an inexpert person such as. Uh, RFK. What's, what I find interesting about this is that this is all happening in the context of a gigantic anti-disinformation um, uh, industry where nobody's an expert. They're, they, it's all run by people who just call themselves anti-disinformation experts, but they don't have any expertise in anything. Um, so that's interesting too. But uh, you have to under you have to understand how churches work. Okay. Um, Churches have someone near the top, most churches, uh, a, a sort of esteemed and somewhat infallible individual who pronounces on doctrine. And then everyone down the line just uh, enforces and disciplines orthodoxy. And, and, and so disinformation people as orthodoxy enforcers can be neutral as to content. They don't need to know anything except how to shut people up or how to neutralize their presence in in the conversation. So 
we're we're going to have a rotating series of bishops or 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 hierarchs uh, like Hotez, and everybody else's job is going to be to clean up after uh, them and make sure that heretics don't get in the same room with them. Um, I'm reading a book right now, Gore Vidal's Julian, and it, it's about a uh, it, it's about the process by which the Roman gods gave way to the new Christian faith in uh, fifth century Constantinople, uh, basically. And, and, oh, that's uh, interesting. And, and Julian was one of the last holdouts for the old, quote, pagan religion against the teachings of what they call the Galilean. And you see this uh, spectacle of these theological conferences over you know the nature of the trinity and so on and they became absolutely uh deadly political uh uh conflicts i mean bishops uh, are, are are assassinating other bishops uh you know monks are are are, are taking heretics in arms and, and you know uh you you're seeing exactly the same process take now as the science wishes now to take itself out of this experimental or uh, kind of partial phase into total control of uh, of the quote conversation, and that means removing the other half of the conversation. And and, and not only does Hotez and all these people who lined up behind him not want to debate, which reminds me of a football team which refuses to play another football team. And then gets cheerleaders to go, yay, don't play. Yay, don't go there. You know, uh, uh, and, and what this will be, this is a new form of sports. Why should the teams even meet on the field? They should have individual protests. If you're hearing this message, you're listening to the free version of America This Week. To hear the full version, please subscribe at www.racket.news.